Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Keith here. Today, me and Ben are going to be sitting down and talking with Joseph Shipley again on another episode. We're going to be hitting topics like fundamentalism, um, kind of like the harmful effects it can have on people, and how it's kind of been a negative thing, and also the good about it as well. So sit back and relax and enjoy episode 61, Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pilgrims and Prodigals. We're excited to bring you another episode. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back. We have Joseph Shipley with us, our good friend who's been on many episodes, hopefully more after this one. We'll find out. And uh, Keith is there in the studio. I'm actually in Pennsylvania working for my dad right now, so I'm states away, but that doesn't stop us. I never stopped Nate. So, I know. I, I feel like Nate's away on every episode that he does, so yeah, you're just like, now catching up. <laughs> I'm just uh, I I'm jealous. I just wanted to be like Nate, so I drove really far away before we recorded this. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I started the live stream and uh, I've got the Christmas logo up. Just so you know. Nice. Halloween's I'm over. Leaving. Halloween's over, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying Halloween's over. It's officially like 52 days until Christmas. I'm I'm gonna start my countdown, and I'm gonna be excited every day. God, my church I is actually literally... doing a uh, an, an early Christmas program. Like they're doing one actually the Sunday before Thanksgiving oh, as like wow. a thing to uh, like you know get get in the right mindset and stuff like that before we all trample each other on Black Friday. Which I, I get. It's just you know it hurts what? my sensibilities of waiting until after Thanksgiving for all of this stuff. So I'm torn. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely like there's. I think humanity is split in two over this. There's a small camp of people that want to bring Christmas to the earth as soon as possible. As soon as it's over, they wish that it was Christmas again. And so they just plan Dude, I'm there. count the day. No, I know, Keith. You're part of this I am totally weird there. cult. You're part Look, of this weird cult <laughs> I have people that want that they refuse to let Christmas be in December. They must <laughs> break the walls of time apart and put it in everything. Everything is a countdown to Christmas. Look, if it's not Christmas, it's a day that looks forward to it exactly. coming. Dude, look, <laughs> half glass full. All right, that's all I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying right here. If people can literally have an entire month dedicated to their birthday, I can have like three months dedicated to Christmas. All right, that's all I'm going to say I, on that. I, I know, but that's like using that's like using crime to justify crime it's not okay to have a birthday month <laughs> you were born on one day you need to respect that <laughs> and someone who says Touché. it's my birthday month they they that that my friends that's privilege speaking right there <laughs> <laughs> that's your birthday you're just using your birthday privilege there you go. yeah check your true. privilege yeah. check your privilege at the door sir <laughs> anyways so, oh man I welcome can, to I the podcast that's a dark place Yeah, no. But the other half of the world, me and Joseph included, are people that are like, no, 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 no. Christmas is on Christmas. Like, it, it, the the only type of Christmas that's okay to have outside of Christmas is the twenty five days of Christmas on ABC Family. That's it. Anything else? Get that out of here. Yeah, I mean, after literally the day after Thanksgiving, I'm I'm cool with you know. 
starting. I mean, I don't immediately start blasting the Christmas music. I like to wait until December. But my wife blasts Christmas music all year long. She's in the same camp as Keith. Oh wow, she's actually in my and Christmas so crazies. Many, like... Look, look, look! I have a Facebook group, and I believe your wife is in the Christmas crazies Facebook group. Just saying. You have probably. A I'm not Facebook in there, so I wouldn't know. You yeah, Facebook you're a hater. That's why you're not group? in there. Yeah, I have a Facebook yeah. group. It's called the Christmas Crazies. That's how you know it's <laughs> Look, weird. You get couldn't at me, be bro. on regular Facebook. You had to create a group where you small sect of weird people go to feel normal. Oh, I guess we're getting rid of the Pilgrims <laughs> and Prodigals group. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that idea. <laughs> that small group of weird people. <laughs> Screw those guys. Yeah, you weirdos. No. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Good point. My I, my point is yeah. good counterpoint. But you should, if you're listening to this, uh, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook, you should comment down below or wherever. Is it acceptable to play Christmas music and do Christmassy things before Thanksgiving? If you think that, I, I disagree with you, but I respect you because I'm an intellectual person. But it's hard to love you, but I will. Just saying. And then for another subgroup of people, is celebrating Christmas at all acceptable? Uh, mm. I, I certainly mm, interesting hope point. so. What, interesting what, point. What, what, what group is that? What, who doesn't like Christmas? I mean, I, we, we actually I, – I, I know several people who fall into the camp of uh, – The Jews? You know, uh, well, them too. <laughs> but I mean, the, uh, those, those that uh, – The Muslims? that believe – Hey, come on now! Don't don't diminish my point. The Christians specifically, who think that uh, you know celebrating Christmas is immoral. It, it, Wait, is that is that real? The, is that what kind of? <laughs> does that is that a thing? Are there Christians who don't believe in celebrating the birth of Christ? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You, you get yes, your dirty birth of Jesus. Out of my Christianity. What is well, that? What is that? Is their it? argument is that December is not even the birth month of of, uh, of Christ, and so, okay, Christianity then. is riddled. Or sorry, uh, Christmas is is riddled with uh, you know pagan traditions. Therefore, the whole entire holiday we just have to throw it away. Okay, because it started Fair. from a pagan. I holiday. see their point, but they better they better when it, they better figure out when Jesus was born and celebrate the hell out of that day or else they just are bad people they're horrible <laughs> is there a way to figure out okay i'm not we're not going on that rabbit trail yeah, anyways. okay so christmas it's a point of contention so, so but, where, uh, where do they get that not fundamentalist what this view about from? where do they get where that funda- where do they get that fundamentalist view from where does their scripture come from on that that's an excellent question probably you know? like some Old Testament stuff that was saying to kill people who, you know, don't believe in the same God, I guess. I don't know. Probably. Oh, yeah, no. This is this is a great way to transition into talking about <laughs> fundamentalism and how it's great, uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so today, guys, we're going to be talking about fundamentalism, the description of it the flaws of it and we we might go into some examples of uh fundamentalism in the church uh i know i have had some in my personal life for sure in the past uh talking about and you know you have to believe this certain way or have this certain fundamental idea otherwise you can't really be a a full-on christian 
Uh, so today we're going to get into that. We've got Joseph on. Yeah. He is our, uh, you know, our, our resident theologian here, our uh, apologetic pastor Bam. on the podcast. He's our apologist. Exactly. So what are we getting into today, Joseph, that I haven't already described? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, as you said, you know, fundamentalism, just the the basic definition of it being a, a strict literal interpretation of Scripture. So uh, not much room for any kind of interpretation outside of what's directly stated. Okay. So it has so, to be oh, one So only way. what is said in the Bible, literally just those words, that's, that's the only version of truth that is acceptable at all. There's no variance, no turning to the left or the right, just what it says is what it means all of the time. Uh, yeah, especially as far as what we believe about God and the any kind of historical things it might be talking about or if, any events, I should say, that it might be talking about, uh, you know, all of it being historical. It, it's, you know, it's all supposed to be straightforward as it's stated. So like, so like in Second Kings when – the young, the youths cursed Elijah for being bald, and he cursed them back in forty. And you know, the bears came out and mauled forty of them. That is the only possible thing that could have actually happened, or else scripture has no authority. Yeah. So, for example, with that case, it's like, uh, you know, youths. You know, what what is it? What does it mean? Like, it doesn't actually say like what age they are. So, if uh, you know, you wanted to say, okay, well, you know, I don't know. A twenty-year-old person is still relatively young, I guess. I don't know, but just that being the thing, it's like the difference. There's no argumentative point between saying it was like an eight-year-old kid versus I don't know somebody who's still young but maybe a bit older and more responsible for their decisions. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still a story of a bear killing forty, you know, children. <laughs> just killing forty people is kind of hard to swallow. <laughs> like it's kind of yeah, or uh, <laughs> it's kind of tough. I mean, the biggest, um, I guess the biggest dissension really when it comes to fundamentalism with me is not necessarily the, uh, the theological side of it, but like the, like we were just talking about the historical side of it. And I know one major discrepancy with that is the tale of creation. Um, because as a fundamentalist, you don't even believe in the, you, you, not you personally, Joseph, but a fundamentalist would not even believe in, like, the gap theory, would they? Uh, spell out the gap theory for me. I'm sorry. Okay, so the gap theory is essentially... Um, it's saying that, yes, the Genesis is correct in the six-day creation of the world, but uh, the Hebrew word for day could have been a day, a year, or the third translation is a given number of days. Um, without an, an actual, you know, number on it. So it could be anything. So the gap theory is essentially saying that um, the account is correct and the words are completely true, but our interpretation of what that Hebrew word for day was could be wrong. And that, you know, got the creating the earth in six days or whatever, seven days, um, it could actually be like, six or seven like units of time yeah yeah, the, yeah. i just the, i hadn't i hadn't specifically heard it put in the in the terms of, of gap theory because 
essentially, I mean, along the same lines, it's um, so there's different, you know, different, especially in the in English, I guess you could say, or I mean, it transcends English, but just that there are different interpretations of what day means. So you have like the roughly yeah. the twelve hour span of when the sun's in the sky as or day, like day, or you know, twenty four hour day, or yeah. um, you know, using it more in a I guess a metaphorical way of like, you know, back in his day, which is just kind of a span of time that's not really numbered. Um, or you could say like, I had a rough day at work, even though it was only an eight hour, you know, shift or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so how, how much the kind of, so the question kind of becomes how much of what was being talked about is supposed to be like, I guess even, even his strictly historical or I, I, I guess, uh, you know, is, is it, Asking the question, is it even is it possible that maybe it means something different than what we think it means? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. essentially no, the gap theory. The, I think I from what I've heard, uh, like what Keith you're talking about is like long term creation where days could have meant a thousand years, days could have meant yeah a million years. It, it, there's there's another theory that I've always heard is called of the gap theory that between Genesis one. One and Genesis one two, there was it's this huge gap, like possibly billions of years. Ah, like okay. like Genesis one one, one God in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and there it is. And then an untold number of millions and billions of years happen, and then Genesis two, and the earth was formless and void, and God hovered over the waters. It it. Gap theory believes that there were many events that occurred between Genesis one one and one two when the Earth was formless and messed up. Okay. Like Gap theory thinks that that's when Satan fell from heaven was between Genesis one one and one two. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. But either way, the it, it, the thing is that you can't believe any of that if you're a fundamentalist because you just believe what it says. Yeah, the literal. It, it cre- it, it took six days or whatever to create the earth. At the end of the story, just keep it's reading. It's six, right? Am I crazy? Is it six? It's six. Well, on the seventh, he rested. Okay, yeah. okay. Just just making sure. Like, I know I haven't read my Bible in a while, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was six days. <laughs> so fundamentalists believe like that Noah's Ark definitely happened exactly as it's written. That ever there was two of every animal in the ark the earth was literally created in 6 days but why is that important why why does it have to be that way why does a fundamentalist cling so tightly to the fact that it just means what it says and there's no other option no and that's a good question i mean cuz for me i think that the most amazing thing is that god did it at all like cuz you could make the argument well wouldn't it be more amazing if god just made everything as he as he wanted it to be in an instant you know if yeah. he yeah. why wouldn't you know by by the argument that it was greater that it happened in 6 days versus you know millions and billions of years wouldn't it be even greater than if he did it in an instant it's like it doesn't matter the time frame it what matters is that he did it at all yeah which that should be the central point for Christians, not the over what time span did it happen. Yeah, wouldn't um, wouldn't fundamentalism rule out like the Big Bang theory? Yes. Okay, so that's that's a big discrepancy in itself because I mean it's it's a pretty proven thing. 
or a pretty acceptable thing, at least that the Big Bang Theory is what started the universe. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, if you're if you're not saved, do you think that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome to church. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean one of one of my favorite. Um, I mean, if if there can be an authority on the subject, one of my favorite speakers or and authors is um Hugh Ross, who's a okay. who's an astrophysicist, and he's done a ton of stuff. But he was actually raised uh, an atheist in Canada, and it was through studying, you know, space and the Big Bang and uh, just cosmology and different, you know, all the different facets of that. You know, he kind of wanted to look into some of the deeper answers of, you know. Do any what what worldview that might already exist lines up best with this? And he looked through all the different you know holy books and religious texts and stuff like that, and found that the um, accounts in Genesis. I mean, because Genesis isn't even the only place in the Bible where it talks about the creation event. And so he took a look at the context of all the different places in the Bible where it talks about God creating, and found that that was what best aligned with it. There was no contradiction essentially between. Uh, the Big Bang and how the Bible describes God having created everything. Okay, and that well, was actually I, what brought I mean, him to faith. Like you know, he had never heard the gospel from a missionary or anything like that. He was handed a Bible one at one point, but at one point, just after weighing the evidence without anybody personally leading him, you know, just based strictly on the evidence, he uh, he became a Christian on that. Okay, so uh, but but still, in fundamentalism, it would rule out the Big Bang. Yes, which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. if you ask me, and I kind, I I kind of find me and Nate talked about it in the last episode. I think I find it kind of funny that we can so quickly rule out evolution as well, um, because when when you look at evolution, it doesn't disprove God. It doesn't say, it doesn't say okay, evolution happened, so there's no way that God exists. And we went into it pretty in depth on the last episode. But I find it funny how we kind of rule that out of out of the picture in modern day Christianity, in, in the same yeah. way that we used to rule out the Big Bang, until the Big Bang was there. Was, they found more evidence on it, and it's a much, uh, much more accepted thing now than it used to be. I think evolution will kind of fall into that category in the future because I think it's something that you know you've heard the the arguments of like show me a change of kinds. Well. You know, it, it took us millions of years, if, if evolution is true, it took us millions and billions of years to form into the creatures that we are today. We're not going to see it in our lifetime, in our father's lifetime, in our father's 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 lifetime. We can go back 10,000 years and not see a change of kind. Well, from that but we aspect. should be able to see fossil evidence of a change of kinds. I mean, we can see we should, ad, what I'm saying is like if we can see adaptations, right? If we can see yeah. creatures adapting to environments and stuff, isn't that in and of itself? I mean, we you hear it all the time. Christians will say, "I believe in micro evolution, but not macro evolution." Well, wouldn't yeah. micro evolution point to macro evolution, or is it something completely different? And I'm just missing the point there. I've heard I've heard atheists make the point that if you believe in micro evolution, like it, it, let's say microevolution is a single step. If yeah. you believe in a single step, can't you believe that miles could be traveled? 
using the same single step over and over and over again? It's a logical argument. Yeah. It is, but the thing is, is uh, the, the thing that you run into, uh, the biggest problem uh, from what I've heard is that okay. the, ti- the time frame for the different models on how quickly things would have had to adapt is what becomes uh, an issue because, you know, the kind of radical changes that we see uh, that would have to take place to get from, you know, species one to species two as they kind of branched off and became different things, um, the, at least at the rate that we observe changes happen now through natural selection, it, mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't happen quickly enough that that kind of a time frame would make sense. Okay. Yeah. And so some of that's going to take off faith. Yeah, it's it's like the 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 toughest part for me about all of that. Like, but evolution in itself, even microevolution, it just blows my mind that it could ever happen. Like, yeah. it just like so you have to have one type of you know animal survive longer than another type of animal. And then you have to have another animal of the same sex with the same trait survive longer, and then they meet, and then they have babies that pass on that same. It's just the whole thing is freaking amazing. That yeah, absolutely, even mi- microevolution can even happen. So, yeah. I mean, if if that is built into creation, then it can adapt that way. It doesn't hurt me necessarily to believe that evolution happened from single cell to whatever we have right now. But that's the thing is it doesn't hurt me to believe that that because I'm not a fundamentalist. But fundamentalists, it takes something away from their God. It takes something away from their life if it's not – if it's not literally what the Bible says. And And I think that the reason – I think the reason that nowadays is that more and more people that are Christians are okay with the Big Bang being the thing that, oh, yeah, that makes total sense that – God created the Big Bang, which is kind of follows the same Genesis account, yada, yada, yada. The reason that that's more acceptable is because there's less and less fundamentalists in the world that will let go of what they currently think about the Bible based on science, not based on what the well, Bible says. Yeah, if that I, makes sense. They, they think... will allow science to give scope to Scripture versus Scripture giving scope to literally everything in their life. Yeah, and I think that's where we can kind of branch off from the last episode I did with Nate, where we were talking about, you know, if evolution were true, what what the hell would it actually hurt? Is it disproving God? No, it's just saying that it happened in a different account than what the Bible's saying. So to well, to what you were saying, you know, it doesn't hurt Christianity if evolution were to be true. What it hurts is fundamentalism. It doesn't hurt yeah, it doesn't no. hurt the gospel. The gospel is Jesus is God in the flesh and he died for our sins. How the how the hell we got where we are right now doesn't matter. Whether we evolved from a monkey, a single cell organism, or whether God really did make all of us out of the dirt and put mud and breathed freaking air into us and we came to be. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how the hell we wow. got here. What matters is well, what we do with our life while we're here. Sure, reason, and, and sorry, go ahead. I was ben. just gonna say the I was just gonna say the reason that matters to a fundamentalist is because their cornerstone to their faith is, I mean, which it's almost like I, I feel like they're kind of on the right path. They're not totally wrong, 
the cornerstone is the Bible. And if the Bible has flaws, you're wrong. The Bible doesn't have flaws. It's perfect. And everything that they believe about God is based on the Bible. So if you change the foundation, their view of God is like, well, if, if the Bible is, is wrong about this, well, then maybe it's wrong about that. And, and if this maybe isn't true, then maybe that's not true. And they literally, it's like, um, it's like the foundation of a house. It has to be perfectly level, perfectly solid and built on a, like, you know, a firm foundation that's not going to shift. And they, they see if science shifts my view of scripture and what it says at all, then scripture is a bad foundation and I should just get rid of it. It's either all of it or none of yeah. it. And they can't live a life that's moderate when it comes to the Bible. Because I, in my opinion, I think fundamentalists, their trinity is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. That it's just like yeah, I mean, that's a the fair Bible assumption is, to make. The yeah. Bible is God. If you mess with the Bible and you think that it, what it says isn't what it says, then you invalidate their whole faith because all of their faith is based on the Bible. Anyways, Joseph, Which isn't necessarily wrong. Do you have anything to to say on that topic? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just we invited say you that... onto the podcast, and then we're not letting you talk. So no, no, it's it's, it's <laughs> totally sorry. okay, Ben. I think I think Ben was making a good point. The only thing that I'd 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 add to that is just that. But maybe I think that it's it's less that you know because the the scripture is an authority, but I think that what maybe to fundamentalists their literal interpretation is the authority, not necessarily scripture itself. Does that make sense? So it's like their yeah, their li- the literalism of it is what's more important to them necessarily than maybe what the Bible was actually trying to communicate. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. no, scripture because scripture is 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 really really important. But if I mean thinking about how small of a snapshot it is in the context of entire world history, I mean it's it's certainly important things for us to know, but it's not everything for us to know. Okay. And yeah. So so another problem no, that mean, might arise for I a fundamentalist, another problem that might arise for a fundamentalist is just the asking the question, uh, you know, Adam. Adam and Eve were clearly important, you know, figures in the Bible, but were they the only humans that God created at that point, you know? Because people always talk about, well, ah. where did Adam and Eve's kids get their spouses? Like, it's some great mystery. It was like, is it possible that God created other humans at the time? But maybe Adam and Eve were just the lineage through which all this stuff was supposed to happen. Or, like, even going no. on to, like, the story of... Uh you know, Noah and his descendants, you know, did, did all of earth get repopulated a second time by one family? I'm just asking, is it possible? You know, I mean, it's to, to be, to be honest, I think that most fundamentalists, and this is, this is literally coming from the place of, I was young and ignorant and didn't know things. And based on the, the impression that was given to me by, you know, like, Christian surroundings or the churches that I went to or the fundamentalism that I experienced until I became a teenager, I was more willing to believe that God was like, yeah, you know what? For now, incest is cool. Just populate the earth and then it won't be cool later, but now it's okay for that to happen. I was more willing to believe that Adam and Eve were the only two people and they used their own family to populate the earth because fundamentalism was like, no, they were the only ones. That's it. You can't believe different. Yeah. 
And so I literally was like, so God just made it okay for incest for a little while? And people that like were trying to teach me about the Bible were like, so uh, uh, maybe, I don't know, let's move on. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's, that's weird, man. It's like, crazy it, that it, it, it's crazy that that you know people would rather believe the narrative that you know the entire human race came from acts of incest which are despised now than they would you know believe that God you know maybe created more than just Adam and Eve and maybe when the flood happened maybe it was more than just Noah and his family that survived just maybe yeah like like for example whenever the the, the the part of I, I think the problem, my problem anyway, with fundamentalism is how shallow the view goes into exploring what's written in the Bible. Because if you just think about what it's saying logically, you can draw very logical and solid assumptions based off of what it says, even if it doesn't necessarily say it. Like, for example, whenever Cain uh, uh, got exiled and sent away, he like who did he go be with? It says he was despised by people and cursed. And like, who was over there? Who did he go be with? You know what I'm saying? Like there had and, to be other people. And it's an interesting contradiction in the narrative too, in the, in the grand scheme of things with the, with the fundamentalist view, because ask any fundamentalist if they believe uh, that the Trinity is a, is a thing that's endorsed by scripture. And it's like, well, the Bible doesn't say anything literally about the Trinity. They're, they're concepts that we extract from Scripture that is consistent, and it's a fundamental part of what we believe, but it's it's not literally stated. So why is it okay that we can, um, I, I guess, uh, gather the idea of a trinity, and that's something that we can believe as a fundamental important aspect of, uh, of God, but we can't ask questions about whether or not something happened in a historical context. Yeah, that exactly. is that is a Jeez. very good question. Yeah. For real like you can you can make logical assumptions about some things, but you can't make logical assumptions about other things because because why? Because ignorance is better? I I just don't even understand that. Like that's literally the idea of the trinity that's presented in scripture is just if you use reading comprehension you can gather those facts from scripture or gather that belief system from scripture through reading comprehension through reading comprehension you could believe that there are other people other than adam and eve and their family that were on the earth at the time of that story i think it's just what what better fits uh the narrative that that's the that's the crazy thing I think that it boils down to is that like whoever is the authority at the at the time theologically just says this is my interpretation and that becomes fundamentalism and that's what we have passed down is the smartest guy's interpretation of scripture is what it says because all scripture needs uh, anything anything you read you need to use reading comprehension to deduce what it's trying to say but people don't do that with scripture people just read it and they don't try to deduce what it's trying to say they're just like oh hey i I don't know what this means someone who's smarter than me what does this mean and we just look towards 
the fundamentals or what has been passed down as you know what I mean? Am I yeah. wrong on that, Joseph? I don't think so at all. I I, I think there's a lot of issue with um, you know, and I mean, I, maybe that's been that's been addressed on the podcast before. Is this this notion of or even even just in local communities of of pastors and you know there's been this weird thing and I and I've talked to several pastors and they agree that it's an unhealthy thing that people view them in their congregations in a way where you know they can add in personal opinions political opinions whatever it might be and all of that stuff is taken as absolute truth absolute fact and it and it's not necessarily supposed to be that way and they weren't trying to present it that way some of them did you know and that's that's the way it's been for a long time just that the way that these people have viewed personal interpretations not necessarily they, they see them as more of an authority than they should be and that they actually are if that makes okay. sense no yeah. that makes sense so fundamentalists are just they're not open to interpreting scripture as anything other than literal and that literally blows my mind that just doesn't like for example until it comes thing? down to things like he was like uh joseph was talking about the trinity you know until it comes down to things that kind of like bolster their narrative then it becomes well we we derive these from the scriptures it doesn't actually say it but oh, that's they're in so there bad yeah and it becomes but, a core I mean, concept with our beliefs yeah i i i think that fundamentalism probably starts for a lot of people that are currently fundamentalists in 2018 it probably starts from a good place of wanting to believe that the bible is the ultimate authority for the faith yeah. I mean, I personally, I'm, I don't know what, I don't know if I would say ultimate, but it's definitely the best authority that we have for our faith. If we're yeah, Christians, I mean, I'm not there's saying no better that. place I can go to find, uh, but I think it starts there. It, it starts as this is the final authority. And then when it comes to reading and comprehension of what the Bible says, people turn their brains off. They don't get mentally involved in in that authority they say this is the final authority and then they yeah. shut their brains off and they're just like read it word for word and they're like freaking dang man that's that just what's that that's what happened that's yeah it. it's it's a it's a lazy shortcut i mean because i i can understand how there's something satisfying about i mean because we want to be right about our faith we we want to be able to have solid you know answers for people who ask questions so it's just the easiest but again kind of the lazy shortcut is like, well, that's exactly what it says, so that's what it means. It means what it says. And, um, well, what and the hell is that? What, what does it mean? What, what is it saying? That, <laughs> right. That's and what that's, I'd say. And that's been the most humbling thing for me to kind of realize, you know, again, as you mentioned, I getting as heavily into apologetics as I have, that uh, there's, there's so much that we just don't know and won't know, yeah. you know, as far as, like I said, Scripture is such a small snapshot of what was going on, especially like if we're talking about, uh, you know, a lot of Old Testament stories. We don't know a whole lot about what all was going on outside of the context of what's presented to us. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when people have different complaints about, you know, God doing X, Y, and Z, it's like I get where you're coming from, and those are things that I struggle with too. But is it possible that there was, you know— that maybe God was doing more than we know about, but this was just the important thing that we were told to focus on or that God wanted us to focus on. 
and it, and it's yeah. hard to say, but it, it's just admitting that there is so much that we don't know, and I think that it's the classical flaw of putting God in a box when we say that. Uh, well, scripture literally interpreted is the only way to do it. Yeah, something that has kind of been on my mind lately is thinking about like the epistles and the uh, the notes that um, the Apostle Paul wrote. You know, do you think maybe we have put too much of an emphasis on some of the things written in there? And kind of, because if you read those, and even if you go into historical facts, those are written to a specific city in specific timelines. And people even say that some of that is uh, circumstantial to the area and to the time that it was in. But then different things we will mark as like, rock solid truth and this is what we have to hold to so do you think maybe in the the epistle specifically do you think maybe we've kind of clung to certain things in there that you know maybe we shouldn't have or maybe they were good examples but weren't necessarily meant to be laws that we live our christian lives by today i mean i think in in the epistles a lot of it was you know he was uh, like so for example in some of the letters of paul he was addressing specific sins and such like that that were going on in specific churches and so sure there's there's some of that that's you know in there that we need to understand you know the the geopolitical landscape you know the the what was going on inside the church just the different things as to why he was writing the letter in the first place but i think that when a lot of it comes to when it comes down to behavior and the condition of our hearts i think that those are the things that we need to take away from those things as timeless things that apply to all Christians. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree with that. I think that I think um, for me personally, that's how I view scripture in all of it is the way that makes sense for me is that if you look at what's said and laid out in the epistles and you, I, I don't know, like distill it down to its basic truth, what's trying to be communicated here. What can I learn about God based on what's said? Not so much the specifics, as far as like, um, like uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, let's say I take the 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 epistle where it talks about like women being silent in church and that whole yeah that whole thing. That's a really tough pill to swallow in today's culture because it's totally different. But if I just boil that chapter of the Bible down into what it's trying to say, that chapter isn't garbage just because it says that. I'm just shaking it until the truth falls out. I'm boiling it down into what is God really like and what is God trying to say? No, sure. Obviously, that's, a, that's, that's an excellent point as know, far as, uh, as far as what, um, you know, on the fundamentalist topic of just, there are so many people who, again, take that one line literally. In fact, one of the, one of the funniest moments, I'm not going to like, cause I think that some of that stuff is kind of hilarious. I understand that it's <laughs> damaging, but there was yeah. one time when I drove by, it was a church of Christ, and that was the scripture that they had on there. It was just that one line, no context, no anything, <laughs> just something like you, you know, you must keep your women silent. And I was just like, oh my gosh, man! And I again, what? I thought it was hilarious, you know, but <laughs> driving by it, just no context whatsoever. But um, yeah, if you've got but, if you got thick skin and you don't get super offended, that is funny. I mean, I, I mean, it sucks that they probably believe that's real, but it's like, are you kidding me, man? Like what is, what's going on here? No, sure. Absolutely. But you know, but it's obviously a totally different thing when you're, when you're in it. Yeah. Totally different. I, 
I know people, and I'm sure that you guys know people who are in those kind of church communities where that's something that they take literally. And, and again, it's just asking the question, is it possible that this doesn't mean what we think it means? Is it possible that, you know, so that would be something where I, I would uh, believe that it's, I would be more inclined to believe that that was a uh, contextual thing because women just in that general day and age, not only weren't treated the same, they weren't valued the same. And so, uh, if they were, I mean, because there were really important women that were in the church. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, that, but that the question all even called out deacons. by names. Listen, like, listen. They were the, name listed as deacons. The question is, and this is the biggest problem I have with fundamentalism, especially in the New Testament. What? Where is the line, right? Where is the line between what is contextual, what is circumstantial, and what is actually fundamental? Because, like, you can't. Go, even talking about like Old Testament, New Testament, whatever, you can't pick and choose what is right and what's wrong, what's real and what's uh, contextual, what's fundamental and what's, you know, contextual or whatever. What Like, where is that line? Because we, we I don't know, they're like, I'm a real advocate of finding truth. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a fan of anything that has lines between it. I just did an episode yesterday or the, a couple days ago that I actually just put up a few minutes ago few minutes before this podcast um and i did an episode with an she's an lgbt advocate for the church um and specifically talking about like transgender um people you know she's talking about like well we don't really know like you know what um like what gender really is and stuff like that and and i was you know just being honest and talking to her i'm like you know i totally respect you but that's for me like where it gets hazy because um there's got to be a clear line somewhere and transferring into this fundamentalist topic idea, you know, like it can't just be, we can't just have a, a line drawn somewhere and you know, well, there can't not be a line is what I'm saying. They, yeah, it can't yeah, be can't some just, things. It can't all be ambiguous and it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And this thing is fundamental, but this thing is not, this thing was contextual, but this thing is something that we deliver life by. You know, there has to be that line where we know what is fundamental and what is not. We can't pick and choose the entire Bible and even, you know, talking about the Holy Trinity, you know, take a couple small examples of something and make it a fundamental tenet of your faith. Like, where is that line? And that's my biggest discrepancy with fundamentalism. Yeah, no, there doesn't I, seem I, to be a line. My response to that is, one— my response to that is, uh, sorry, basically keep what you just said right there, that magnified times a thousand is the fear of every fundamentalist is that yeah. we're just going to get away from the baseline of scripture and then everything's going to be ambiguous and whatever feels right. And then we're going to lose our whole truth. Truth just will stop existing. And then that's why fundamentalists cling so tightly is because they're like, I can't let go of it. This has to be truth. If it's not, then things get cloudy and I might lose my truth. And that's that's the fear that you have right there is the same fear that every fundamentalist has. But I guess my response is that I think personally me, this is where I'm coming from and where I'm at in my life. I could be wrong in 10 years. I could think I'm an idiot for what I'm about to say. But oh, no. I think that faith is alive. Like whatever my faith is, is can change and maybe should change and my view of truth 
Yeah. I, but ba- basically what I need, I need to do is I need to constantly be willing to evaluate my comprehension of the truth. I think that the Bible is the truth and it is the ultimate authority, but I'm willing to wake up every day and question my comprehension of what it says. And I don't know if there's anything in scripture that I would say, I'm not willing to evaluate this because it has to be true. I mean, there are certain things that when I evaluate them every single time, they end up being true. And I've reevaluated them maybe a hundred times and they still, I still believe the same thing about it because it makes so much sense. So to me in my life right now, that's the truth. That's the line, the things that I'm constantly evaluating and it's not coming back like, Oh, nope, still not changing. Still seems legit. Every, I have every logical reason to believe that this is still the truth. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. But I mean, right now I would view my, my theology as alive, changing, growing. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll ever have a perfect understanding of this is definitely truth. But there are a lot of things that – no, I, there's a lot of things that I would tell you right now. This is the truth. I, I would put my life on it. I can't guarantee you that it's the truth, but I believe enough to die for it. I'm that sure because I've evaluated it that much. But we got to be willing to comprehend or evaluate our comprehension of Scripture, not necessarily say whether Scripture's crap or not. But evaluate our comprehension of it because our comprehension can be flawed. And if we get new facts, it's time to reevaluate. I don't know. That's just where I'm at. Is in a constant state of reevaluation. But what I believe right now, I'd be willing to die for it, if that makes sense. What do you think, Joseph? Yeah, no, I, I think that fundamental, fundamentalism at its root is, a, I guess, a tradition of biblical interpretation. And yeah. Traditions can be good, and traditions can be really bad. And yeah. I I am someone who is willing to uh, ditch certain traditions if, if I see reason that I believe that they're harmful. Um, and there's, there's a multitude of things that I never really thought about that I've, I've thought about more recently that I've um, – I don't know that I, I've gained certain strong opinions on that have made me question other areas. But the the thing is, you know, it's like it's it's I, I forget who kind of originated this um, uh, this example or this imagery, but just that tradition is like a fence, and uh, you know sometimes you know fences are designed to keep uh, you know bad things out, you know good things in, and so we should really be careful. If we don't like the fence, that we understand what that fence is protecting before we go and tear it down. But if it's just standing there and it's you know, it, it's not doing anything good at all, and yeah, there's no yeah. reason not to tear it down. In fact, if if there's I don't know if it's barbed wire and there's kids that need to get on the other side and they're getting cut up or something, I don't know. Just the idea that it's harmful tradition. We need yeah. to ditch that. We need to demolish it because it's, well, it's you know, the. Uh... It's counterproductive. What you're saying is true. It's like the whole idea of don't throw out the baby with the bathwater type thing. Like, yes, there there maybe are – well, there definitely are harmful effects of fundamentalism. But at the same time, maybe it's the the staunch understandings of who Christ is that have been a big factor in helping Christianity 
survive this long as well. So we have right. to yeah. we, we have to understand that there have been good things and there have been bad things that have come. I mean, there's good and bad with anything, man. I mean, that's why I don't necessarily believe that, you know, any person is like inherently evil or inherently good. Like I believe we all have good and evil inside of us. Sometimes we do bad things. Sometimes we do good things, you know, and, and the um, possibility for good and bad is always there. So, you know, relaying that to fundamentalism, you know, I, I think that there have been harmful effects of fundamental fundamentalism, especially in today's society, in today's culture, oh, yeah. because it's more of a conservative view on things when I think as the church, I mean, there are certain things that I feel like it would benefit us to, to become more progressive. And there are certain things that aren't necessarily harming the theological standings of the Bible or aren't changing God's character and who he is, you know, that aren't necessarily so bad or as bad as we think they are at least. Um, but at the same time, I believe there are certain fundamental things with Christianity that I think it would be harmful to change or get rid of. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think like, like, uh, Ryan Thetford said a long time ago to me, he said that like, if you put if you put something on the altar, you know what I mean, like you offer it up to God and you evaluate it, you are ready to kill it. But if it makes it through the fire, then it was uh, this is a really deep analogy that isn't translating well. Uh, um, good. Um, basically, if you if you put something on the altar, meaning that you're willing to kill it, like my view of God, I would be willing to kill it. If it's really God, it won't die. You know what I mean? I mean, like it'll it'll survive the trial. It'll survive the evaluation. Okay. Like, like for example, let's say I put, uh, I'm trying to think, like Jesus, whether or not he rose from the dead. If I am willing to evaluate that and say maybe that's not true, that's not that's not evil. That's just me really evaluating my. And if it's true then it will come back proved as true. You know, if I, I put it to the test and it passes the test, that's good. It's not wrong for me to test it. It's just, I should be testing my faith. You know, testing, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I should be putting what I believe to the test. And if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass. But if it does, nope. then, I, then I'm going to keep believing it. You're making absolutely no sense. You've lost me, Ben. Okay. I'm <laughs> just okay. kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, I got you. I don't know. I don't know about uh, no, Joseph, wait, I, but I'm pretty I'm serious. smart. Like, do, do you do you get where I'm coming from when I say that? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Joseph, do you get me where I'm coming from? Yeah. I, I I really believed you when you said you lost me. Like, oh Damn. no 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 no. <laughs> test, test test everything and hold on to the good. Yeah, exactly. It's not wrong to do that. I think fundamentalists could stand a little bit of testing of the scriptures to see like what holds up against logic, science. Uh, just even basic hermeneutics, uh, apologetics, you know, if we, we should be running all those through our faith every day and cutting out the crap that doesn't make any sense, like the weird stuff that somehow gets into Christian circles, that's how you keep your faith from getting weird and cultish and strange is you keep testing it against logic and, you know, all those things that we just mentioned. And then it, your, your faith makes sense and it's easy to believe yeah. and you can and treat it like it's your life because you know it's trustworthy because you just got done proving it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. 
Totes my goats, man. I totally effing <laughs> believe you on that. <laughs> and there's there's so many other things that we could get into about fundamentalism, like the fact that what was that thing you were talking about earlier that where Jesus says, "I am the door." <laughs> yeah, he says that, and that's in there. So that would be incredibly awkward if that was literal. He's also a light, just so you guys know. He's yeah, a, he's, he's, a he's light. the light. Literally, he is a, the light. He is a lion, and he's also a lamb. Yep. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. <laughs> and, and he's a door, a lion, a lamb. I mean, he's a, he's a weird-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the, the he's point also is that the word of God, it, whatever that looks like. If you if you are a fundamentalist, like a staunch fundamentalist, then you have no room for analogy or allegory or anything like that in Scripture. Actually, there's a scripture. I'm pretty sure it's in Galatians. It's one in one of the epistles, and it says these things are an allegory. You know, like, yeah. Where it talks about like this is just an example or a showing of X Y Z. I don't know, man. It well, was were, the, like, were the parables literal historical things that Jesus was sharing? And if so, why were they so confusing to everyone if they were just you know commonly known history rather yeah. than a story that he was sharing for a specific purpose? Exactly. I if mean, you, what's the definition of a parable? Poetic license from scripture. Yeah, you you're ruining scripture. You're doing a bad thing. No wonder no one wants to read it. Because it's, I mean, some of it's, if, if you, if, if an unsaved person gets a hold of a fundamentalist view and they're like, oh, man, I just had a real experience with God. And they were moved spiritually. And then they take a fundamentalist set of glasses and start to read scripture. And they're like, well, I mean. I was told that all of this was true. It has to be 100% correct. And then they're reading it, and they're like, oh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I quit. I, my bad. I must have just eaten too much Taco Bell or something. That definitely wasn't God. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you just read it and you think that it all has to be true and you have no room to evaluate it, I mean, some parts of Scripture, they're just weird, and it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you dissect it and st- you know, rightly divided as, <laughs> yeah. as as scripture even itself tells you to do. Scripture does not say whatever it says is what it says. Freaking get over it and believe it, you faithless worm. It says rightly divide it. And mm-hmm. I think that someone who, like me, I'm not a fundamentalist, I think all I'm doing when I evaluate the Genesis account as maybe it wasn't just six days is me rightly dividing scripture. It's not me saying that it's not real. It's just, I I don't know. I'm just doing what the Bible told me to freaking do. You fundamentalist weirdo, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thought that was a fun episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry if I over talked or didn't make sense. No, not at all. The whole time. (laughs) The, the big the big thing for me, I guess, I don't know if it's maybe we start wrap this up to a close, just like I think that, you know, we've been we've been confronting some of the different ideas of fundamentalism and stuff like that in this episode, but that 
we should all be confident to be able to handle conversations with fundamentalists as they try to present different things. Because I mean, for for exactly a lot of the points that we've that we've listed. Because I mean, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you probably all have, but just that I've had personal experiences with people who I, I've honestly said incredibly hurtful things, not just to me, but also other people that I love and care about, calling my salvation into question because of again peripheral things such as uh, you know. The age of the earth, you know, how that relates to my relationship with Jesus, I don't know. But (laughs) um, I don't get it, man. But and they 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 cast people down and, you know, and it's I think that through having a good sense of biblical literacy that when they do especially misapply scripture to try to support some kind of convoluted idea that they have that we can. Uh, you know, confront that, you know, that misapplied scripture like Jesus did in the wilderness with, with Satan when he was trying to, you know, he, he answered misapplied scripture with properly applied scripture. And wow, to, to yeah. understand, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the important thing to understand what some of the different ideas are out there that, you know, when they have these different ideas on how we should interpret scripture, it's like, well, how do you know that that's right? You know, how do you know, for example, uh, one of the things I've been asked about is once saved, always saved. You know where that is specifically at in Scripture. I don't know. Uh, you know where that's literally said. Where I need to literally need to apply that. I don't know. Do I hope that that's true? Sure, but you know I don't personally believe that it is. But that's been another area where that's a little more on the nose with salvation. But again, I've been told that I'm not saved because I disagree on that particular doctrine. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Man, I, I love having you on because you really bring up those good points that I don't usually think about, especially like the one you just made where you're talking about, you know, Jesus answered misapplied scripture with properly applied scripture. And that blew my mind because I've read that story, you know, before and I never thought about it like that. Like, like, damn, dude, the devil was like using some some of God's own stuff, man, trying to use it against him. Yeah. And he was like, he was, no, actually, this is how it's supposed to be used. <laughs> Can you imagine the devil planning that? He's like, look, I know Jesus is a fundamentalist, so if I quote scripture, he has to do what I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Jesus is like, actually, I see it a different way. And the devil's like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I quote I quoted the Bible. I was he talking How'd you do about? that? How'd you do you, that? You can't disagree with the scripture. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, actually, you just confused, man. Let me. Let me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes but, you'll run into people that, when you do confront them about it, you know, they're they're willing to change their mind. I mean, I think that the the conversation that stands out to me the most, where uh, I again have tried to apply scripture properly in the face of misapplied scripture, was when I was working at the family Christian store before that place closed down. There was a woman that came through that was buying a Bible for someone and made some kind of offhand comment about how evil tattoos are, and then I, uh, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I don't remember how it came up, but I was like, well, I wouldn't be so sure about that, you know. Check out oh. Revelation nineteen sixteen, and you know that's where it says it's referring to Jesus, saying that he's got it written on him, you know, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it, it sounds like a tattoo to me. So I, I pointed that out to her just really quickly while we had the Bible right there at the register. 
And she was open-minded. She said, wow, I, I didn't know that I, I have some people that I need to apologize to. And it's like, whether or not she actually did, I don't know. If she was just being nice in that conversation, wow. trying to bug out of there, I don't know. I hope that she did, if that was really something that was an issue. But Yeah, look at you, man. Look I mean, no, you. no, not about you, me at all. Uh, but it's just like, it, it was something that was really small. Like, you know, it's literally just one, like, I don't know why I've, you know, I, I, I like tattoos. I don't have any, but, you know, I, I kind of held on to that one when sure. I randomly had the opportunity to to use it and That's to share it with story, someone, man. and it had some good effects. And it's, it's again, it's not about me. It's just the idea that when we properly apply Scripture and when we have a sense of – I'm not good at having Scripture memorized at all. I don't know Scripture no, addresses like got... people do a lot, but uh, what, what, what do I do know? You know, I try to use when it's appropriate. That's and, how um, you. That's how you preach the gospel to old people, the people that they're like staunch Christians and have been their whole life. They can still have a gospel of grace, and you know, imparted to them. I don't know. I feel like, in me looking at that situation, I'm like that old lady had a revelation of what grace means, and she's like, oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I shouldn't condemn all the time. Oh man, I need to look at my life. I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. That's really good. I mean, I, I like I said, I certainly hope so that she wasn't just, you know, trying to be nice and bug out real quick. But I don't know. I mean, that. but I, I think that if if we, I guess, like prepare ourselves by studying and, and doing our best. And I mean, the whole entire question here is how do we know what it actually means? And I think that uh, it's through asking all as many different questions about it as we can. Yeah. And being being slow to come to a, a a super concrete conclusion about it. I mean, there are some scriptures that are incredibly straightforward, like you know, don't murder. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> I know uh, Keith and I covered that in our last podcast. That what did we cover there? But oh, don't murdering is bad. Yeah, murdering is is bad. That's a fundamental belief. I will, I will believe. Yeah. So that one doesn't require much interpretation, right there, but. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think that that doesn't mean just, that doesn't mean you can't evaluate it. You'll just find out that it really means what it says. It <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to evaluate it, absolutely. But but yeah, I think that if we if we do our best to to try to I, I guess prepare ourselves for those situations, I think that I, I would like to believe that God, you know, will help put situations in our in our in our way that uh, will help us utilize our strengths and. Uh, overcome certain weaknesses that we might have. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. I think, I think this generation has been trying to say to, to the older generation, like what you just did right there is a perfect example of how people from our generation have been trying to show this with their church attendance and the numbers and the dwindling you know, interest in Christianity is I think people are trying to say that I have no interest in turning my brain off. So if that's what I have to do to put to believe in the Bible is be a fundamentalist who doesn't evaluate anything and just takes it at face value. I'm not interested, but if we can present, you know, the gospel in that light, that it is totally okay for you to evaluate this thing as it should be. I think, I don't know. I think that sparks interest in our generation is a gospel that we have the opportunity well, there's a proper to evaluate. Way, there's a proper, you don't take anything for face value. There's a proper way to eva- to evaluate everything. Um, I've been on this, I've watched the weird videos on YouTube. I go through like, uh, I know. 
I go through like stints of like, (laughs) so I I went through a whole stint where all I watched was like Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro videos. And then last Gavin McGinnis. All right. Well, (laughs) I literally picked the worst one, dude. My mind, my mind has devolved from where I was before. No, I'm telling you, this is what I've been watching the last two weeks. Cringe videos and interrogation videos. I don't know why. It's just what's been popping up on my feed and it's interesting. So with Wait, inter- interrogation? Yeah, like police, like murder interrogation and stuff like that. Oh so my god. It, they're good, dude. So the the big thing with like interrogating, right, is that there is a proper way to observe and check someone. Like you don't take you don't take you don't want to take Bible scriptures at face value in the same way that you don't want to take uh, th- not that I'm correlating, you know, God's word with a murderer's word. I'm yeah. I'm comparing them for, to compare and contrast, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not putting them in the you're same co- category. You're comparing evidence to evidence. Exactly. You evaluate it the same way. So if if a, a woman says she didn't murder her husband, you don't just say, "Oh, okay, see you later." <laughs> no, there's proper that, procedures. That there's could different... easily not be the truth. Yeah, it, it, you don't just let her go, and you don't just say that she's wrong too, is a thing. Like we can't just we can't just take scripture for face value, but we also can't say, oh, well, that's part of a fundamentalist belief, so get the f out of here. You know what I'm saying? We have to yeah. properly um, evaluate something, and there's different procedures you can go through. Like with an interrogation, there's different strategies. There's you know different questions different you know ways to recount things that you will catch someone slipping up if it's wrong so in the same way like we have to hold scripture accountable to itself in the same you know like we we talked about you know study the scripture and whatever what was it what was the actual verse for that rightly divide the scripture rightly divide the scripture yeah that's what we need to do. Like we need to interrogate the scripture, figure out what actually is a fundamental truth. You know, obviously murder is wrong, you know, and then there are like the different theological fundamental truths that we need to hold. There is something that's caused Christianity to survive it lo- as long as it has. So let's yeah. hold to the proper fundamental truths, but all the other bullshit like that doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Like why is why is that other stuff so important? It, it's not. No, if any, yeah. I mean, because like for me, it's like there's a lot of stuff that I think is fun to talk about, and I mean, and I enjoy hearing different. And everyone should and watch like cringe that. videos on YouTube. But as long as hilarious. as long as we uh, as long as we keep it in the context of you know it's it's fun and we can agree to disagree at the end of it, and it's just it's interesting to think about. That's one thing. But you know, like I said, when you have those other situations where somebody's like. Yeah, if you if you believe that uh, you know Jesus hasn't come back yet or something like that. So if you're a if you're a premillennialist, then you know that's clearly not what Scripture teaches. Therefore, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, whatever uh, it is, it's, you know, uh, all uh, different yeah. kinds. There's because it's all different kinds of <laughs> peripheral issues. You know, what was uh, yeah. what was Ezekiel's wheel? Was it aliens? I don't know, but you know, just. <laughs> it's, Whatever, whatever the 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 controversy might be, and it's like yeah. if you don't, they they nail these weird things that have nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus. They 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 nail these things to as to whether or not you're you're saved, and yeah. it's it's yeah. just mind boggling to me. Yeah, that's crazy. Agreed. That's 
Absolutely. It's That's freaking dumb. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it, is, it is freaking dumb. You're right, right man. It, all those th- things, like, if you don't believe like me, then you're not saved. My way or the highway. There's no like, such thing as public comprehension. It's what I comprehend, and that's it. The end. And it's like yeah. for people, you know, maybe like us who we've we've been kind of, I guess, uh, a bit deeper in this. You know, we kind of, mean, you know, obviously this, this whole, obviously this whole podcast is you know, trying to trying to dig deeper and understand our faith on a on a more deep and real level. But just that, you know, so for me, when I'm told something like that, that I'm not saved because I believe that the earth might be, you know, billions of years old. That doesn't shake me at all. But when you have somebody who is either completely new to the faith or doesn't believe, and they're told that, and that's, that's some of their first exposure to what actually yes. Christians are like. Yeah. And that, that's when it's like, you know, okay, we can, we can talk about this kind of stuff. We, we can, we can, we can make fun of it because of how ridiculous it is. Because like I said, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me question my faith when they say that, and I can make fun of them. But the point of, you know, it's actually damaging to a lot of people. That's what, like, there there is some uh, some point where we, we kind of have to take it seriously and be ready to confront it whenever we have the opportunity to because it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I totally agree. This whole episode is a big, giant middle finger to staunch fundamentalism. Yeah, uh, I'm if, flipping if, if off you think Facebook because they don't believe exactly what you believe. You suck. Yeah, I'm flipping off Facebook right now. <laughs> oh, dang it, Keith! All right, demonetize. That's, <laughs> this was monetized. No. I mean, we got to make <laughs> In something. No way, shape, or form was this monetized. <laughs> We've got to make something before it can be demonetized. Does that mean I can get my $200 deposit back? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> well. First off, where's your deposit? And no, Keith has it. He said that I he said that I had to to pay a fee to be on here. Uh, oh. we're not going to talk about that. Well, once we find out where that money's at, you, no, you can't have it back. <laughs> oh, once once we find it, you're not you can no, you can't have it. It's ours. You, I I gave you a waiver, right? Oh yeah, yeah. For, It's been a, it's been like two years since I signed that thing. <laughs> How long ago oh. was that first apologetics podcast read I was the, on? Read the small print. <laughs> <laughs> it says, yeah. All right. It so says, I'm good, man. It's, it's just a drawing of uh, the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be great. Have it notarized and everything. It's got like a, the stamp of approval on it from the state. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... A picture of a middle finger with an X and a line for you to sign. (laughs) That's it. That's it. There you go. All right. Well, Joseph, it's been an honor having you on again, man. And uh, thanks for talking to us, man, because I feel like you you are definitely the guy I wanted on this episode talking about fundamentalism. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got all the big words down. You know what you're talking about. So, yeah, Joseph, I, I, Joseph is like, I feel like. He's as churchy as me, but just smarter. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad that it was said. <laughs> oh, All right. Stuff. Well, this has been Pilgrims and Prodigals. If you have not yet, get over to our Facebook group. I'm actually live streaming right now on Facebook this episode with the Christmas logo on the stream. So 
Go check out Facebook. I'll have all the recordings that we have done. They are up there. Join the group. Uh, join the page. Head over to iTunes. Like, or not like, uh, give us a review. Um, rate the podcast. All that cool stuff. Um, you can hit us up if you have a question or a topic that you want to see discussed. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can hit us up at uh, pilgrimsofprodigals at gmail.com. Uh, we're also over there. And if you haven't yet, uh, if you we, we've had no one join yet. If you want to be our first patron on Patreon, uh, I think up until the, the, the first 10 people, I think once we hit 10 people, we are going to do um, a free T-shirt for the top 10 to, to the first 10 patrons on there. So if you want to get involved with that, please do that. We're going to have merch available with all of our logos on it, including this snazzy Christmas logo. We've got a black and white one. We've got our green one here, green and gold with our you know, traditional colors. But you don't have to do that. But if you like what we do and you support it and want to hear you know, more live episodes and get you know, some extra weekly podcast out, feel free to join our Patreon or don't. It's not a big deal, honestly. But until next time, this has been Keith. Ben and Joseph and we will see you later. Bye.